You're listening to a Monday episode of Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church. And my name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, joined today by both Matt Grun and Mark Christensen. It's been a while since all three of us mm. have been able to be together. So eight weeks. Eight weeks? Is that fr- Something really? like that. Yeah. Oh my, way too long. Uh, and while we're on that note, if you are listening for the first time right now, where have you been? Where have you been? Hard good to say. Good to have you. <laughs> welcome around the table. <laughs> uh, welcome. Uh, we are, on, on Mondays, we're going through the text of scripture that was preached on Sunday. So we are in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 23, coming to the end of what Exodus 24 calls the book of the covenant. So this is a big deal from Exodus 20, where we find the Ten Commandments all the way through Exodus 23. We're really supposed to see all of this as one unit, Mm -hmm. God's commands and rules and promises revealed at Mount Sinai. And um, yeah, let me read this and then we'll, we'll jump in. Matt, thank you for preaching this text and helping us to make sense of this. I'm looking forward to just to, our our goal again is not to re-preach it, but to reflect on it and to be affected by the text. And uh, this, this certainly has an effect on us. So here's God's word, Exodus 23, beginning in verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray that you would, by your spirit, bring illumination that we might understand your word and help us not merely to think about it with our minds, but to be affected in our hearts as well, and then to respond to it, that our very lives would bring glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here it is, the book of the covenant. Matt, I know you you preach this, and usually when you preach something, you've got tons of notes that get (laughs) scrapped, and you, you know, there's a lot more that could always be said. But maybe first of all, um, you know, Mark and I were on the other end, just listening and hearing, and you know, as you helped us think about this text, and so maybe we can just start there. How, how did this affect you, Mark, as you heard this? Yeah, definitely affected. And coming out of the context of 
you know, we just got to the end of God giving his law to his people who he had just brought out of Egypt. And then we get into this passage, verse 22, where it says, but if you carefully obey his voice, saying everything that God has just spoken to you and do all that I say, then I'll be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Mm-hmm. So there's a promise of here's the blessing for obedience. Um, and in just a gracious way that we're not just left with now go do all these things I've delivered you, mm. but he follows it up with the promise. Mm. Remember, just as I delivered you before, I'm going to continue to do that yeah. and protect you and bring you into the land. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think to see this whole book of the covenant beginning in Exodus 20, you know, when we preached through the 10 commandments and we took them one at a time, we frequently referred back to that prologue the way that God introduces before he gets to a single commandment he begins with a reminder of history redemptive history which is just briefly before that for the Israelites but um, he reminds them I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and so that's the context he has already redeemed them they are his people he's freed them from slavery and and that is a reminder to us that all of those laws he reveals there's it, it would be wrong even for an Israelite to read them as a legalistic Mm. transactional relationship because God redeemed them before they had obeyed any of those laws. And then here in wrapping it up, same thing, you know, God is re reinforcing. He's now he's given the commands and now he's Mark, like you said, um, just bookending it with these incredible promises about the future. If it began with looking back on the past of Mm -hmm. how he had already redeemed them, it ends by looking forward to the future of what he's going to do to settle them in the promised land. And you take those two things together and you realize God not only gives commands, but then he gives every incentive necessary to just affect our hearts so that we Mm -hmm. actually want to walk in his ways. Yes. And he leaves us with no excuse. Yes, and it, 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 it makes sense why the name of this section is the Book of the Covenant, because this is the essence of what the covenant is. Mm. And it is from the beginning, in the garden, all the way to Christ, and now what we experience is... I think that was my, you know, trying to draw that hermeneutic to us today, mm-hmm. of this, this, the same is true for us. Yeah. Uh, we are given commands, imperatives, not just in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, and those commands are not still just like this legalistic or transactional, but are in fact God promising to do for us in the future and the blessings that that will come from that. Mm -hmm. And so we should walk in them. Um, And the difference, however, as you said, Ryan, before of like, uh, there's an expectation to obey. The difference is, I mean, if you know the story of Israel is they get all these incredible promises and these promises of how God is going to take the land for them. And it's all good. There will be no miscarrying this fruitful language. There will be no miscarry or, or a barrenness and I'll bless your water and your bread and your wine and all the rest. Well, if you know the story of Israel, that it goes south pretty quick yeah. <laughs> upon getting in. So what is the difference? Are we, is are, are, are we, um, could, could the same happen to you and me? Mm. Um, and the difference, the key difference is Christ. And the key difference yes. is not mm. only Christ, but now by his spirit, we are, he has put, uh, Ezekiel 37, he has put 36, he's put our, his spirit within them mm-hmm. so that we would, it would cause us to walk in his ways. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the, that's the gospel logic throughout any obedience we have in this life is because of God's empowering spirit yeah. within right. us. They're fruit of the spirit. They're supernatural works. So any obedience we have today 
we we can't even look at our own obedience and say, look what I have done, because it's not us yeah. doing it; it's Christ working in us. Yeah. Um, so that's why, man, getting yeah. this right is so important because right. it's biblical. It's the gospel logic throughout, mm. and that gospel hope isn't based on our present experience. Even though, okay, I read all this and I think it's true, but I'm not experiencing, you know, the joy of it or the fruit fruitfulness of it right now. Our hope isn't based on that. Our hope is based on the promises itself That's right. and the one who gives the promises. So, yeah, I, go ahead. I, I thought it was so helpful, Matt, how you used the illustration yesterday just in explaining, because there are these conditional statements in the conclusion of this book of the covenant here where God says things like, but if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Um, if you obey this and if you don't this, so, so there are these conditional promises and warnings and yet the way you explained that uh, that it, it's not a transactional like employee with an employer you know this god is not the boss saying here's your job description and if you do this i will pay you i will owe you because because in that setup the employer really is the one in need like you know that's why employers hang out signs that say "Help wanted." Right. I, I have more work than I can accomplish. I need somebody else to come and do some work, and I will compensate you right. to do the work I can't do on my own. Whereas you use that illustration of uh, a father in a pool holding up his arms to catch his son, saying to his son, "I will catch you." It's a promise. If you jump, I will catch you. And you know, I, I was just reflecting on that yesterday, thinking, "What a what a beautiful picture because when the sun jumps, that's the condition. If you jump, I will catch you. But the jumping, it's just impossible to frame that as, as a work that mm. earns anything because right. it's actually like the anti-work. Surrendering. You're surrendering. You are completely entrusting yourself to somebody else. You know, if the kid is young and can't swim, to jump is like to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my life in your hands. Yeah. That's right. I'm just completely making myself dependent on the father and and that picture of that's what god is doing here when he's saying if you jump if you trust me if you walk in my ways i'm going to fulfill all these things you could never do because here's a, a people how are they going to drive out these nations mm-hmm. that are more numerous and mightier than they are right. that have fortified cities with big huge walls and they have standing armies and you just you get why Israel coming into the promised land had every human reason to be totally terrified. Mm-hmm. And and so right here, this text is already foreshadowing. Like you said, it goes south quickly after they get into the promised land. It goes south before they even get in. You know, they, <laughs> Moses they sends take the one spies. look at it and like, we out. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, 10 yeah. of the 12 spies come back and they're like, we can't do it. And I just, you know, th- I have that in my mind as I read this text. Like, yeah. here it is. Here are the promises of God to address those yeah. unbelieving Fears. And these aren't new promises. This is right. This is these are these are promises made to Abraham mm-hmm. hundreds of years earlier. This is Genesis fifteen and or twelve, fifteen and eighteen, where where God says, I will give you Abraham this land. And he even tells them, and they're going, Your your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars. Even though Isaac, you can't even think about Isaac yet, he's still coming. But someday you're going to have a son come from your own body, and That's then right. hundreds of years later, there's going to be millions of people that are displaced. They're going to be in slavery. It's just amazing how God is describing this all to Abraham. And they are, but then they will take this land. And actually, in, I didn't include this, but I think in Genesis 18, it says, for the sins of the Amorites have not met, or have not uh, come to their fullest. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. he, the reason why God is actually not just marching Abraham down there to take it now, is he's actually allowing the Amorites further disobedience. Right. So that when he comes with the people, 
he's executing justice. Yes. Um, which is just incredible. And all that stemming back to the sin of, mm. of Ham at Noah, because the Hamites are the ones who are settled in Canaan after mm. Noah's flood. So, mm. and you know, that sin against that's all, these are all the promises of God coming true. Yeah. And even, even these conditional statements, even in that John 14 passage I referenced, um, begins, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Keeping the commandments is an expression of our love to God That's who right. first loved us. It's an expression of loving him and keeping covenant with him on his terms that he determines. Mm-hmm. Um, and those promises are true for us now in Christ Jesus. And I think some of the, something that's just the most assuring thing about this entire text, Exodus 20, or excuse me, 23, and for, especially in the early parts, is what secures it all is the very presence of God. That That's he, right. he is the comfort for them. He, he is promising not to give them all these commands from on high and then saying, Good go, luck. go do it. We'll, we'll catch you later. Yeah. Best of luck. He promises to go with them. His presence is going with them. Mm-hmm. And in that John 14 passage, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will give you another help, helper to be with you forever. Yeah. Even the spirit of truth. He, he will dwell within you. And I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Just yeah. the beautiful promises of, if I were just, you get this long list of rules and you say, all right, go do likewise, off you go. That would be a terrifying thought. Mm. But the fact that this God has committed himself to us and to dwell in our midst and to go with us, um, it's just such incredible. It just makes everything, it just makes it incredible. It really does. Yeah. Mm. And I think if you make the the New Testament not necessarily leap, but push there from they're going to um, Canaan to um, take the land. Now, as New Testament believers, God promises that his spirit will be with us. And as he says in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, um, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, baptizing them. And lo, I will be with you always, Mm -hmm. even to the end of the age. So that that presence is still promised with his people as we take dominion here on earth as we make disciples here yeah. on earth yeah I, I think there is new covenant land promise hmm. for them it was the land of canaan um yeah. for us it's the all whole the world right. jesus has said go and and make disciples of all the nations and i think the tendency we have in our unbelief is to look at the nations and think well there are so many unbelievers and the world is so full of sin and it's yeah. so bad um you know, we're lucky if we can see a convert here or there, you know, make a disciple here or there. We're no different than the spies. We tend to be just like the spies. And I think that's one effect that this text has on me. It reminds me, one, God has promised us his presence, like you just said and unpacked in the sermon. Um, He's made all of these promises of what's going to happen. So when we look at for us in the new covenant, the promises God has made that the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's going to happen. Uh, there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation mm-hmm. worshiping the, the lamb. Um, so we have those incredible promises. Then we ought not to doubt God, yeah. but we should walk in confidence and yeah. faith. And it strikes me that the uh, the heart of this is for the people of Israel, it was a a moral ethical thing. Mm. Like the, the commands were, th- these were not military marching orders. Here are military strategies to take out the Canaanites. It was you obey me. 
I will take care of them. Mm. Yes. And I think the same thing is true for the people of God today. It's, we don't have to figure out, you know, how do we come up with a, Best a strategy to, tactics, yeah. right, to advance our political views or whatever. Mm. No, we obey God. Yep. Trust and obey, walk in his ways. That is how God will get his work done through his people as we mm. focus on godliness, faithfulness, holiness in our spheres where God has called us, that there's a, a moral power yes. there. So when Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth, he means it. Yeah, and hmm. which which plays itself out in history, especially in like the book of Joshua. I mean, what? how is it that they go and take the land? They don't take it by some crazy military strategies or like some <laughs> unique thing. They walk around the, they walk around yeah. the, walk the around wall. Walk the city and blow some trumpets. Blow some trumpets and the walls came tumbling down. Yes. God, in fact puts it all on his head on its head and yes he is the one conquering and not through just so why does he do that so that no man could say as as, as uh, Moses makes clear to them in Deuteronomy 7 when you get in the land you start experiencing some victory don't start thinking it's because of anything yeah. you've done right. <laughs> this is God right. and God alone doing this so it's just it would make sense that we hear of conversion we hear of we feel our helplessness mm. in praying for the lost and praying for our, our neighbors or our loved ones. But when they do come to faith, if, and when they do come to faith, God gets all the glory. That's right. The, the progression, the, the church is being built by him, not by anything cool or novel we're doing. Yeah. Mm. And there's an incrementalism here. That's so key yeah. when God, he prepares them and tells them right up front, this is not going to happen in a year. Right, because if it did, why the land is too big for Which is you good. where you're currently at? <laughs> Which right. is for your good, <laughs> yeah, for your good, because the wild beasts would take over, and then right. you'd have a new problem. Yeah, that's <laughs> it right. It would all get overrun by you know the land would be barren. Yes, and so God prepares them and says it, it's going to happen little by little, and that's instructive for us just in terms of how God works in the world. This is like baked into hmm. the world, the way that the grass grows and the trees grow and yes. organic growth. It's everything is little by little. And this is how God is pleased to work in the world. And, and the church grows little by little, little right. by little. So it's, you know, to look at what our eyes can see and try to make calculations based on that. Well, we're so small and there's so many, it, it, it this just builds my faith mm. that God is working little by little yeah. through the proclamation of the gospel to multiply disciples in the world and, and then like you did, Matt, to point us to the richness of the, the better promises that we have even mm-hmm. in the new covenant yes. and secured in Christ yeah. and his righteousness right. so that we have this covenantal hope that even though we do sin and we fail, uh, we're not out, yeah. but God graciously maintains our justified status and, yes. and still promises these things to us. It's just marvelous. And and our our hope, our our assurance going forward is not just in like how gracious of it of God for for Him to make promises to us in the future, having already proven Himself over and yes. over again. So yeah. like, um, it's the Israelites hearing now at the mountain at Mount Sinai are not just to walk away thinking, well, our God's pretty strong. Let's see, let's see what He does against mm-hmm. all the other gods. He's already destroyed yeah. the superpower <laughs> in a breath. Excellent. He, he's already won the day and mm-hmm. secured them by destroying the Egyptian army in one fell swoop, getting out millions of slaves out of a nation yeah. just on his own. So he's already proven that. And now you think the Jebusites and the the, the whatever Zites, are, they're all just going to be this... <laughs> The same That's thing. A great point. Because what that the result of From that the should be... the greater to the lesser. Exactly. And the result of that should be is 
allegiance mm. should be this unwavering allegiance of our God is in the heavens and he does all mm. that he pleases. And, and that has been secured for us. So now like for us today, th- that was my point. All of us every day are looking to some authority mm-hmm. to tell us to, that, that we, that has the right to tell us what to do. So that's what I mean. Like if, if, if the federal government is Lord, serve it. If the state is Lord, serve it. If your your boss or HR or you know whatever mob is Lord, serve it. But if Christ is Lord, and has he had the victory? He he hasn't just won military strategies. He's defeated death itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and he's all and he's done that all in the past. This isn't blind faith. Right. He's done all that in the past, secured for us in the past. All the things that he's already done for us. Why would he not then also be faithful to us? in the future, in whatever circumstances we're in right now, whether we feel abandoned or not, like the Psalms we just went through, mm. whatever may come, he's been true to his word and he has promised to work all things according to, according for our good and according to his will. So do we trust that or not? I mean, he is good. Mm. He, he is victorious. He is the unwa- He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he is that by being a lamb that was slain. Mm-hmm. It just, all of these promises just to carry all this freight that what they do to me is they bolster my, my faith and, mm-hmm. and whatever comes, even what I'm going through now, whatever I might come go through in the future, he has not left me alone. Mm-hmm. I'm not here on my own, but has promised, to, has given me his presence right now and has already won the day. This is not a question mark. This is not a clash of the gods anymore. This is over. Yeah, and, and we now get to be a part of that. Mm. I think considering that generation that witnessed with their own eyes the destruction, the defeat of Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, mm-hmm. to think those were the ones who came to the promised land and doubted Yes, when they looked at the giants there. Like they, they, had, they had crossed the Red Sea <laughs> on their own feet, walking on the dry land, and they stood on the shore and saw Pharaoh's chariots washing up. And when you put it like that, it is, it's like you know, the tendency that we have to forget the victory that God has accomplished mm. in Christ, that he's already defeated sin and death and the devil. And, and then we look at people in the world, mm. unbelievers, and we just think, well, they're, they're so entrenched and so powerful and it'll always be this way. And, and that, like, that really highlights the fact that this is not an evidence problem. It's not a, right. it's not a problem of lack of evidence, lack of argument, lack of seeing mm. is believing no, it's a lack of faith. Yeah. It always it's has a heart been. Issue. That's right. It's That's right. always been a moral issue, which is yeah. so helpful. This, this all comes in the middle of this book of the covenant mm-hmm. of God declaring what is good, declaring mm. what's right, and, and bookending it, as you said earlier, about with these gracious promises of yes. what he's already done and what he will do in the future. Yeah, and he, and he makes these exclusive claims that a relationship with him is exclusive. There's not these other gods mm-hmm. that you're available to worship. And just thinking application-wise, how does this text land and get work done in our lives this week. Just thinking, well, sometimes when people hear exclusivity, it means limiting other options, um, which it does mean that. But the fact that God makes exclusive claims on our life, these promises saying, you know, don't go after their gods. Don't follow their gods. um, Trust in me. Walk in my ways. um, I will do this for you. It's freeing to actually follow the one exclusive path there is to mm. life and mm. joy and freedom. Uh, it's not like um, it's restricting it all to um, give yourself to this one God yeah. who makes these promises. Uh, that is the path to life. 
and and don't we face the same temptation today? Like yeah. just the frequency here in this passage of the warning from God, don't bow down before their gods. Don't even leave any of them up. Like when you when you get in there, smash them, <laughs> smash them all. Don't give them an tear inch. down the pillars. That's right. Break the altars because they will be a snare to you. Mm-hmm. And I think Christians face the same temptation today of mm-hmm. some kind of syncretism with you know, taking ideas from the world and thinking, oh, we could find a place for this, or this is kind of a helpful oh, tool, tool or yeah. you right. know, something that we could use that helps us understand the world better. Mm-hmm. And we just want to, what is it about the human condition that we always are just more fascinated with empty philosophies that come from people who don't know what they're talking about, or they come from demons who are opposed to God, mm-hmm. rather than like we have God himself mm-hmm. speaking and acting to redeem us. And we look at his word and think, Ah, I don't, that's just not enough for me. I'd rather have this tool. This is more tangible. It's just exactly what they face. Like, well, we get in, we can't see our God because he doesn't let us make anything to represent him. But these gods, you know, here's a pillar that we can bow Mm. before. And here's a little statue carved out that we can look to. And, um, yeah, I just think that same temptation to take the philosophies of the world and put them alongside of the Bible or even above the authority of the Bible or to replace what God has revealed to us in his word. Yes. Um, th- th- these are crucial warnings for us. All right. In wrapping up, I, Matt, I think it was helpful how you dealt with the angel of the Lord and didn't get bogged down in the debate about, okay, who, who is this exactly? But really uh, pointed us to the point in the text is God is going to be with his people. He is mm. making his, he's, he's, his presence goes with his people and that is a comfort to them. What about the hornet? <laughs> Who is the hornet? Yeah. <laughs> Not or, the, or the terror. Or the uh, terror. Yeah, yeah, a lot, actually. He's going to send hornets before them. Yeah, to, to answer that, I, I think, in a sense, it is the same. Um, I think I, I think I would agree with the commentators that whatever this being is, I think the terror and the hornets are whatever's, whatever God is doing in order to secure his promises. Mm. He, he's sending forth. Just on that point, there's a really good summary that, quote that I had in my notes just as I was going through. This is from uh, Philip Ryken, and he quotes John L. Mackay, and he says, whoever he was, this angel, he bore God's very name. For God said, my name is in him, Exodus 23, 21. God's name, though, is always more than a name. It indicates his special presence and refers to his divine being. According to John Mackay, the name is a, quote, revelation of the character and attributes of God, which means that here we have a unique dignity accorded to the angel as manifesting all that God has made known regarding himself. That is why the angel can command complete obedience and trust. His presence is equivalent of the presence of the Lord himself. Mm-hmm. And this is why this gets into some kind of deeper theological waters, but God's presence is in, in, in a sense relative to who's in his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why it's so gracious that at the at Sinai, this rebellious, stick, stiff-necked mm. people are being given the blessed presence of God. Mm. He's promising to bless them and to be fight yeah. for them and to be faithful They're to them. They're not consumed. They are not consumed. Yeah. And then when they get into the promised land, the people are going to experience a very different presence mm. of God. Mm. They are going to experience terror and hornets. And mm. in a sense, this this looks forward it helps me as you read the book like in the my bible reading plan when you read the through the book of joshua and you're just like whoa (laughs) there is a lot of death and Mm. destruction and 
wiping out whole cities and wiping out whole people groups. And you can hear in the background the atheist's objection to you, your Bible condones genocide and, and so forth. And yet, we have to remember that what's taking place is God is using the people. Remember the promises that were stacked up about what God would be doing in the land. Mm-hmm. He, he's using the, his people in order to execute just judgment on the sinful people. They are not just neutral people hanging around, yeah. just kicking beach balls around, just waiting for And then all of a sudden, here comes God's yeah. people and they slaughter them all. They are people in rebellion to God. There's a reason why they have to destroy these pillars. Yeah, committing great atrocities. Exactly. Yeah. Themselves. And lest we, the Canaanite religion was a brutal really intense. human sacrifice was part of it exactly exactly yeah. so it, it, they are experiencing what happens when a holy god drops into the midst of mm-hmm. a land mm-hmm. without the atoning work of a mediator mm-hmm. without the atoning work of the sacrificial That's system good. pointing toward christ mm-hmm. and without the holiness required of a people mm-hmm. so i that's how I take those yeah. references is, and it also highlights the beauty of God's presence with them mm-hmm. is that he had to bring them through the Red Sea and through the, through the, um, the 10th plague in order to secure for them himself a people. It, it is the, you know, if, if the Exodus is the Old Testament uh, salvation story, that process of their, uh, the death of the, the lamb of the, the blood was them, shed. And then the crossing of the Red Sea, bringing them to the law, is the justification of the people. It's mm-hmm. them. It's him atoning for their sins and bringing them to himself, and now yeah. giving them the law. And now here, that's this. This is his people. These are the the blessed. They receive this blessed presence, and as mm-hmm. that blessed presence goes into the land, mm-hmm. the land is going to experience a cleansing. And that's good. That's really helpful. And it also makes sense of why when the Israelites break covenant throughout mm-hmm. their history. He brings the same judgment on yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that terror comes. Now that that helps reveal more of God's character here. Yeah, um, that He is a holy, just God, full of wrath against sin, and so it's it's not contrary to His character that He would cause terror yeah. to those who hate Him and rebel against Him. Think of C.S. Lewis writing about Aslan. Mm. That line. Yeah. Um, of course, He isn't safe, but He's good. That's right. Uh, and that's, that's what we see in the character of God revealed here. Well, And very dangerous to evil yes, people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. This is excellent. Thank you guys. Good to reflect on this text. And I'm, I'm encouraged in my faith in these new covenant promises secured for us in Christ as we look at the example of God's people in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Matt. Mm-hmm.